Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And look, BetOnline, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The Masters, it is upon us. And baseball, it is back in full swing. NBA and NHL, postseason right around the corner. So BetOnline, it's got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's also free to sign up. So head to the website, BetOnline.ag, and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod today. Got a really special guest, a guy whose show that I've enjoyed listening to. He gets fantastic guests. It's called the Friendly Confines Podcast. He hosts it with his friend Chad Gordon. We have Ryan Lieber on the pod today. Ryan, how are you? Joey, great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. It's uh, really looking forward to talking to you today. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking on the pre-pod. We're from the same neck of the woods here. Um, we, you know, we can go through all the different haunts of the foods at some other time, but let's just dive right in for the listeners. You know, first pitch fastball. Just talk about the impetus for the friendly confines, you know, how it got started and a little bit of a background on that. Yeah, so it's actually a pretty cool story. So my co-host Chad Gordon and I went to college together. We graduated from Southern Illinois University, and Chad has always been a huge diehard Cubs fan, much like myself. So we ended up meeting up. Chad actually lives in San Diego now. I live in South Florida, and we met up at Game 6 of the World Series in Cleveland. So we both decided we were going to go and meet up and just enjoy the night. And we had such an amazing time and we looked at each other and we said, we have to find a way to create a podcast because we love the Cubs so much. We're both former broadcasters that, you know, enjoy sports. Let's figure out how we can make this work, even though we're bot coastal right now. So fast forward to 2018, Chad and I found the technology to make it happen and <laughs> We birthed the friendly confines. And as you mentioned before, you know, we try each week to bring on a special guest who has a little cachet to them. And uh, we've been so fortunate and lucky just through sheer will and hustle. We've uh, managed to get some pretty awesome guests on our show. So um, it's it's been a lot of fun to create this podcast and a lot of fun to bring it to people each week. And I think it's funny because so many people, friends and family, I think they're just in awe when they see some of the guests that we're able to get on. And I assure you, I'm in awe too when I'm able to talk to these people and figure out that they're actually emailing me back and are willing to come on our show. How'd you get these connections? What do you got on these people, Ryan? That's what people want to know. But no, you're totally right. These guests, you know, Carl Ravage, Book Shambi, most recently, Michael Wilbon, Len Casper. I mean, that's just a small you know, that's a small taste of the many, many guests that you guys have had on the show. I do want to double back just a little bit. You know, you're talking about the bi-coastal meetup. Just kind of walk us through that moment in 2016, because I had that same moment. I was in L.A. and my Cubs are, are are going for it. And we actually think that we got a shot at this thing for the first time. I mean, 2003 felt pretty close to that. Right. And this 2016, I know I had that look in the mirror moment of am I not going to like get involved? Am I not going to travel? Am I not going to be there when this thing happens? Talk a little bit about that. And did you guys feel that same way when uh, you decided to go to Cleveland? Right. So here's kind of the, the interesting point. Chad is a season ticket holder and he is so connected 
to so many people who have tickets, who have playoff tickets. He literally went to every single playoff game that season. He mm. usually goes to as many games as he can. He actually was just at opening day, you know, this past weekend. So Chad is always at the right place at the right time. In fact, um, I'd have to find the screenshot, but there's a, a very uh, notable shot of Chad during game seven of the World Series on Fox, where he's like basically biting his nails uh, in the, uh, I believe it would have been like the 11th inning of game seven, where he's Frame sitting it. next to his buddy in Cleveland. And uh, he got some love on that. So that became his profile picture, of course, for quite some time on Facebook and, and other social media platforms. But for me, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, because I sat there and I said, I have to figure out how I am tr you know, going to be able to see this team. I've been a lifelong fan for nearly 40 years. I have to figure out how I can see this team play. So for me, I literally just bit the bullet. I saw that the ticket prices in Chicago were out of my price range. So the best I was going to be able to do was to go to Cleveland. And at the time, my birthday is actually on Halloween. So my, my then girlfriend, who's now my wife, was planning this like big celebration for my birthday. But if you remember, game six was on November 1st. It was the day, so, the day, the day off was on Halloween, right? Because I remember the Bears played Monday Night Football and the Cubs kind of did you a favor to sneak that in, I remember. Yes, so I just kind of went all in. I found a ticket. It was the most I'd ever paid for anything in my life. It seemed like undisclosed terms. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, let's put it this way. Uh, it was four figures. I'll, I'll give you that. Hello. So, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and my seat was literally in right field, uh, like second deck in Cleveland, but it, it was so worth it. And then Chad had tickets like right behind the dugout, of course. So midway through the sixth inning, Chad said to me, hey, there's no one here. Why don't you come down? So I got to watch the game. So I flew to Cleveland. I actually had a buddy of mine at the time who lived in Cleveland. So I stayed at his place. He understood. Um, my now wife totally got it. She was like, go enjoy. I totally get it. So as I tell people, it was probably the best birthday gift I could have ever given myself. And I'm glad I did, Joey, because yes. now who knows if we'll ever see this happen again. So I'm happy that I was able to be a part of history and, and see it happen. Well, and growing up your whole life, you know, your uncles, your fathers, your grandfathers, your friends telling you that it is never going to happen. It's a pipe dream and just forget right. about it and live your life happy and healthy without the pain of being a Cubs fan. And then you, there you are on that precipice of that moment. And I'll never forget. My wife likes to make fun of me, but I always tell her that before I left, I was like, you have to understand if they win, this would be the joy of my life. And she makes fun of me. Cause that's some sort of maybe some cheesy line that would, right. <laughs> that would only happen in a Chris Columbus movie. But uh, I mean, it but was, it was true. It was true. A hundred percent. It's true. And you know, I, I mean, you and I are, are both, you know, Chicago fans growing up. I mean, I grew up in the Michael Jordan era and, and saw the six championships with the Bulls, which was amazing. And I'm old enough barely to remember the Bears winning the Super Bowl in 85. Like I have memories of it, but it, it wasn't the same. But take that all away. The one team that I'm still to this day more passionate about than any other team. It's the Cubs. So for whatever reason, that team has always resonated with me more than any other. And it still takes me back to my childhood and I watched them with kind of childlike eyes. So much like yourself, when they won, 
you just you your emotions just take over and it was like a bucket list you like I live to see it I I am like so happy that I finally got to see what we thought was the impossible I cannot confirm or deny how many tall boys I had that night but let's just say I had enough where the fact that I was straight line sober and filled with adrenaline, there was a little bit of an imbalance there that I, I'll never have to, I'll never <laughs> be able to scientifically figure out. I did want to ask you though, because I do love the format of your guys show where you walk us through what you guys call the nine innings. And if you could just help our, our listeners a little bit, just kind of walk us through where that idea came from and how your, your show is structured in that interesting way. Yeah. So, you know, it just kind of came to me. I mean, I'm a big fan of part in the interruption on ESPN with Michael Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser. And as you saw from their show, they do kind of a rapid paced show where they have, you know, several topics throughout the time of the show. They go back and forth through the nine innings. We, you know, discuss each one and we kind of do, you know, quick takes. So we don't just kind of lag in one particular topic for too long. And then in the seventh inning, we call that the seventh inning stretch. And that's when we bring on the guests to talk about you know, whatever it is that we're discussing with them. Obviously, if it's like more in-depth Cubs stuff or about the actual or whatever it may be that's Cubs related, um, that was kind of how we came to be with that. And usually we talk to the guests from anywhere between 10 and 15 minutes. So yeah, that was kind of the genesis. And when we had Michael Wilbon on our show, um, one of the things I said to him was, you know, Michael, you're kind of the genesis for our podcast. And I laid it out for him how we do the podcast. And I said, please, you know, don't uh, come after me for any copyright infringement. I hope uh, you can understand that copying is the biggest form of flattery. So, um, you know, he, he, he got a chuckle out of that. But yeah, I, I think our format's different. I think we try to kind of give something a little bit um, that's, you know, not necessarily how you're listening to other Cubs podcasts. And I hope that the listeners that we have or new listeners that would be interested in us you know, can appreciate how we do the show and, and what we bring to the table. And I think it's just a fun format too. You're, you're, you're talking about a way of, you know, there's so many podcasts out there. You're on one right now. And I think for people to have that narrative thread a little bit, you have that little bit of that beginning, middle and end, and people can kind of sort of dive in and they know that this is the beginning. And when we get to the middle and then when we get to the seventh inning, we'll get to a guest. And then the ninth inning, you, you wrap up the pot. I think it's a wonderful way to, to format your show. Let's pivot over to on the field stuff right now. You know, we're taping this on a Tuesday at 420. So the Cubs are about to play in about 20 minutes. Albert Azale is going to take the mound. So we're not here to make, make too many prognostications about that. And let's get the old, uh, it's early. It's just a small sample size. Everybody drink for that little thing. Get that out of the way. But through four games, it seems like this Cubs team has kind of come out of the gate pretty solid. And I think some of the results that they were seeing in spring training have transferred over to this uh, first early portion of the season. You know, it's funny after opening day and they lost and they did not look good and they just managed to get three hits and they lost five to three. I mean, the amount of overreaction and probably me included that people were sitting there going, it's a lost season. This team looks like garbage. The offense is terrible. How do you lose to the Pittsburgh Pirates? And and all of that is justified, right? But then they come out and, 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 you know, you think Kyle Hendricks is their best pitcher and they traded away Hugh Darvish. And if Hendricks can't even win a game, how are they going to get, you know, through the rest of the Pirates um, series? And then Arietta comes out, throws a gem of a game in his return to Wrigley. And then you got, you know, Tyler Williams, 
who threw a fantastic game last night and Zach Davies threw a terrific game on Sunday. I've actually been preaching this. Nobody really seems to agree with me right now, Joey. I have said from the get-go that top to bottom, one through five, this pitching rotation is better than they were last year. I understand that Hugh Darvish is no longer with this team, but when you look at Hendricks and Arietta and Davies, and then you got um, Williams and then Adzele, I, I honest to God believe if you looked at the five guys from last year, Quintana and Mills and Lester, and then you got Darvish and Hendricks, like I think the back end of the rotation is leaps and bounds so much better than it was last season. And I will maintain that um, until I see otherwise, because, hey, I went out on a limb and said it, but I truly believe it. I think that these pitchers have a lot to prove. They have a lot of chips on their shoulder between Williams and especially Arietta, who wants to prove that the Cubs never should have gotten rid of him and that it was an aberration in Philly. So for me, I think the rotation is actually going to be probably the best part of this team. Um, and I, I really think that the pitching rotation is going to be better than a lot of people think. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Owsley tonight. But I honestly, I think you're on to something. Just to double back to that bullpen real quick. To be very fair to that opening day performance, I don't care if it's in May, June, July, or August. If our pitching staff walks 11 guys and throws 214 pitches in a game and only 122 of them are strikes and the game is four and a half hours long, I think we're going to be upset the next day either way. I agree with you that it might be a little inflamed because it is opening day, but that was just, uh, that was brutal. And in terms of your starting rotation, I'm kind of on the same board with you right now. And I want to throw a hot take that I have kind of at your way as well. And this is in regards to that starting rotation. If you want to look at this pitching staff and you said, Hey, can you pick one thing out that we want this staff to lead the major leagues in this year? This is the thing that I want the most. We need to lead the major leagues in shortest span of played games. I think personally, because of this contact heavy rotation, as you're talking about right now, you know, last year, Darvish love him to pieces, but man, excruciating kind of at times. I mean, when guys would get on base, everything would kind of shut down. Everything would slow down. Some, a lot of foul balls, Lester, same thing. I mean, the guy you know, would put up, you know, five, six innings, one run, you'd be like great performance. But if you watch that thing, it was a struggle at times, right? And he really had to maneuver and trick guys and really work these pitching counts. And it just kind of slowed the game down. And I'm kind of a bit of a rhythm guy. I think this Cubs offense plays at its best when there is a little bit of a rhythm, when there is a little bit of a tempo, a little pick-me-up to the game. That's something that Hendricks, I think, has been able to key on in his career. And I want to ask you, you know, are we kind of both onto something right here? If you can shorten down this game a little bit, put the ball in play, catch the ball, get out of the inning, get these guys back up, try and find maybe a little bit of that rhythm. We just can't be playing four and a half hour games this season. In my opinion, it would be really great if we can get that number, you know, in under three, if possible. Well, and it's funny you say that because right. The guy who you would think would be quick in his pace and has done so plenty of times and, and will throw less than a hundred pitches is, is Kyle Hendricks. So it is kind of interesting that he was the one that extended this game as much as he did. Um, you know, listen, I, I totally agree with you. And, and this rotation, as you mentioned, is very unique this year because 
all the guys other than I, I guess you could say Adzale is in that mix with Arietta. They're kind of the guys that are going to throw a little harder. They're the guys that are going to, you know, tally more strikeouts maybe than Davies and Williams and Hendricks. Um, and, and they're going to give you maybe a different look than you would normally get. I like Adzale in the rotation because he's the only lefty in the, in the rotation as well, but yeah, hundred percent. If you can get through your innings quickly and not give more um, at bats or outs or pitches for, you know, the opposing hitter to uh, make contact with or, or get on base with, absolutely. That's a recipe for success. So yeah, I, I think that, you know, these drawn out four and a half hour games are not going to work to the Cubs advantage. And I think, you know, the quicker they can get through it, the quicker that they can get runs on the board and not play from behind. Those are the ways that this team is going to, you know, be able to show some strengths and, and maybe contend for the division. Yeah. Trevor Williams, I looked up, it was like in the fifth inning and it was like 45 minutes into the game. And I was like, all right, cool. This is maybe, I mean, I, it's a style, it's hard to control, but I do think that it's something that could engender success for the Cubs moving forward. And honestly, you know, these first couple of weeks are going to be interesting, just as similar as last year was the Cubs got off to a great start. Just talk about a little bit. This schedule looks pretty set up for success. I mean, we do play the Pirates again. We get some home cooking with the Brewers, but this schedule does appear like the Cubs can get off to a good start and maybe get rolling a little bit in April. You know, that's going to be the key, I think. If you can, you know, roll up the wins against the Pirates and the Brewers, who, you know, listen, a lot of people, Pakoda included, thinks the Brewers are going to win the division this year. I don't personally see it, but, um, and, and of course the Reds, who the Cubs have had struggles with in the past, that's that's going to ultimately allow them to have a chance because we see what the Cardinals are. I, I think the Cardinals are very good. I, I think they have, you know, better pitching than people are giving them credit for. You know, certainly they, you can make the case they have a better, uh, you know, corner infield than the Cubs do right now uh, with Goldschmidt and Arenado. I think the Cardinals are a really good team that, you know, certainly the pitching staff there is better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. So I think it is vital, as you, as you said, get those wins early, you know, topple them against your division rivals. And, and you got to, you know, beat those teams that you're allegedly better than. And that's what's going to give the Cubs any opportunity to ultimately win uh, the division and have a chance for the postseason. Those Cardinals, right? I hate them to pieces, but all the respect out there to them in the world, they always figure out a way to find some sort of outfielder, some sort of pesky outfielder, right? That gives the opponents a hard time and they just find a way to rack up wins, you know, for a team that, I think a lot of people with this Cubs team this year are trying to have a hard time wrapping their head around how talented this team is. Right. And that's, what's so interesting about, and I'm on more of the optimistic side, I think than some other people are where I still look at these guys in this lineup and you still got four or five all-stars in this lineup. You still have a rotation that I think is pretty solid with some professionals on there that might not, you know, maybe make the cover of MLB the show, but that's not the point. We're out there to win, win some games. So I tend to think that, you know, this team still together can still put some things together. A great start would be a great move in that particular direction. Sticking on the pitching side, we talked about the bullpen on the first day. Uh, the last couple of days, the bullpen has uh, has been interesting, right? There's a personality factor to it. Uh, Chafin's mustache, I think right now, if it's not a meme, it will be a meme sometime soon. 
I think it's fair to say that Craig Kimbrell just showed us the two best performances maybe he ever has shown in a Cubs uniform. And what was your thought on maybe Alec Mills backup closer being used last night? Did you like that move? And I didn't even think about that. And it's kind of got me, uh, it's got me intrigued. Yeah. Well, so let me, let me address the Mills question first. I a hundred percent agree with you. I did not see that coming. I figured Mills was going to be kind of the long reliever spot starter guy, but credit to David Ross for finding a role for him to close out the game because, you know, I think we can agree that while it was great seeing Craig Kimbrell be lights out and look like the old Craig Kimbrell in the first two games that he pitched in, um, I'm not a hundred percent sold that you know, and yeah, it's not okay. either. we're going to take our time. We're going to take yeah. our time. with him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm sure David Ross is approaching it that way too, because we didn't see him last night to close out that game. So yeah. I think Ross is trying to bring Kimbrell along slowly, build up that confidence even more so. And um, yeah, listen, if the Cubs can find a role, whether it's Mills or when, you know, like one of the Wick brothers comes back and is able to, you know, regain that other closer role um if the cubs can have kind of a two-headed monster when it comes to closing out baseball games that would be fantastic i mean obviously we don't see that very often anymore you know i think of examples like roger mcdowell and jesse orosco from those 80s teams on the mets back in the day where they would switch off closing games the righty lefty sort of thing but if the cubs can find a way to like have guys step up on nights that Kimbrel needs a night off. Hey, more power to them because especially as we know that starters are not going to go more than six innings right now, maybe seven, if they're like cruising, um, the bullpen is just so vital. So it's just so important to juggle that staff the best you can to make sure that they're as fresh as possible. And I think that's what David Ross is trying to do. He's trying to find pieces that he can trust early on. And a great call on the Jesse Orozco drop, by the way. I absolutely love that. But yeah, I, I find it really intriguing. And I thought it was a great move on his part where, yeah, you've got a guy who, let's be honest, he's probably a fifth starter, maybe that sixth starter in, in Major League Baseball, you know, across the board. But if you can, instead of just hold him around for the day when your starter goes bad and pitch him maybe that once a week, why don't you put him in that high leverage situation and allow him to throw? I think he was pumping 93 last night. In that short span, I mean, he is crafty enough, I think, to maneuver through three hitters at a time. And as you mentioned, until we get Rowan Wick back, I wouldn't mind seeing Alec Mills in high leverage situations moving forward. And uh, maybe on those days when they go back to back with Kimbrell, maybe getting that save opportunity. I think it was a really cool move. And it kind of makes me feel a little bit better about this bullpen moving forward. Yeah, no, 100%. And how would you like to be Alec Mills starting the season, knowing that you had the game of the year last year for the Cubs that you pitched? And then you get demoted to the bullpen. Um, but listen, I mean, if he can accept this role, which it looks like as of now, he's, he's totally fine with, and he can turn himself into a very solid relief pitcher, um, it's it's just only going to benefit this team that much more and uh, allow Adzele to kind of grow into the role of the fifth starter and develop into what the Cubs hope to be a, a, a really good starting fifth pitcher. 
Let's take a quick break to talk about our brand new sponsor, Canon Sunglasses. Now, my sunglass history, it's a little checkered. I like to live a funky, fresh lifestyle, but I'm always breaking my sunglasses or I'm buying that $10 cheap pair and then losing them automatically. Well, no more, I say. It is time to make your outdoor experience better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make your lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch and let me tell you these canon sunglasses they are absolutely perfect for the golf course so use the exclusive code canoncast15 at canon.com to receive 15 percent off your first pair that's right canoncast15 k-a-e-n-o-n-c-a-s-t-1-5 canon clearly better now back to the pod let's move it over to the off- offensive side of the lineup i think coming into the season a lot of guys you could probably put out there is, hey, this is the X factor. This is the guy that I have penciled into, you know, maybe surprise some people, have that bounce back year. Coming into the season, who was that guy in the lineup this year that you were looking at to either surprise or, you know, get back to form? Because let's be honest, I think a lot of the stat lines in the back of these guys' baseball cards do not reflect what they did last year, what they've done throughout their entire careers. Yeah, I mean, if there's a guy who I'm looking at and saying, you know, I want him to bounce back to kind of what we expect him to be. For me, it's Javi Baez, right? I mean, he had such a a rough year last year. I think not having a crowd to play for, um, I know he had talked about how not having video to look at in between innings really was an issue for him. Javi Baez is one of the most talented players in baseball. And if he is able to kind of get himself straight um, and kind of, you know, allow himself to be the player that we saw in uh in 2019 i mean you know sky's the limit for what he's able to do because he's obviously such an incredible uh baseball player and and this team is is better with him when he is you know lights out um you know and then of course chris bryant's the other guy that everybody's kind of hoping will become what we thought he is uh you know over the past few seasons you know i i feel bad for bryant he's 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 such an incredible player He's always done what you've asked him to do, whether it's play third, whether it's play the outfield, whether it's to lead off, even though he may not be comfortable in any of those roles, he has accepted it and he has done everything he can to, you know, be the best player he can be. It's tricky now because, you know, Chris Bryant knows, as I'm sure every Cub fan does know that he could be traded at midseason, and and we don't know if he's going to be a long-term solution at third base or not. Even if the Cubs are contending, like I am not even convinced to tell you the truth, Joey, that if the Cubs are in first place, that the Cubs wouldn't consider trading Chris Bryant to get players in return to help them, you know, get to the finish line in, in the postseason. So, yeah, you know, those are the two guys that I would like to see. And I think Bryant's got a lot of pressure on him. But, you know, for me, those are probably the two guys that most people are going to be talking about. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Chris Bryant because there just seems to be about four or five different versions of a Chris Bryant fan right now, right? There's the Chris Bryant fan of he won the MVP, he can come on back, he can get back to that level. There's the Chris Bryant fan who says that he's never going to get back to that place right now and he's going to walk. There's the other Chris Bryant fan who says, I hope he bounces back and then I hope we trade his ass. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different versions right now. What is your take on just the narrative of, you know, and obviously people that, that report on this stuff, you know, Jesse Rogers for ESPN, for example, you know, I really trust these guys and their information. What is your take on just the narrative of 
it just seems like that the chances of Chris Bryant re-signing with the Cubs feel so minuscule, feel borderline impossible. Well, there's two factors here, right? So one is the fact that um, Chris Bryant obviously is kind of the odd man out right now when it comes to his, you know, situation, right? Because I think if the Cubs had to look at who they're going to sign long-term, Javi's the guy that I think they would look at and build this team around, right? And then you look at a guy like Rizzo, who's this generation's Mr. Cub. And even though, you know, he balked at the five-year, $70 million contract that was offered to him, I, I still think ultimately, I, and, and maybe this is just the optimist in me with this, is that I ultimately do feel like Rizzo will be back with the Cubs. Now, if the Rickets are pleading poverty at the moment, which it appears that they just can't, and that's a whole other story. Story for another pod, my friend. Story, story for, for another, another pod. pod. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, dude. And, and knowing, and I'm now I'm all of a sudden blanking, but Chris Bryant's agent, who we know Scott is, Boris. you know, yeah. Scott Boris, thank you, who's an absolute power broker when it comes to, you know, making deals. I mean, he represents Bryce Harper among obviously other, you know, huge baseball players' names. And I mean, if he is going to expect a contract from Chris Bryant for $250 million, which if you really think about it, probably is not in, you know, like the most craziest thing to ask for knowing what we're seeing right now when it comes to contracts, like guys like Tatis and Trout and, and Harper and, and whatnot. It just, it gives me pause to sit here and say, I, I just don't think the Ricketts are going to even remotely consider thinking of that kind of money for him with everything that they're trying to navigate through when it comes to their real estate portfolio. So I love Chris Bryan as a person. I just don't know, to be honest with you, Joey, if he is ultimately a guy who I think long-term, if he left the Cubs tomorrow, would really be like a superstar still for another team. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he goes to Seattle or Colorado or, you know, the Padres bring him in or the Dodgers. I don't know. But I, to me, and again, I don't want to compare this, but it reminds me a little bit of when Albert Pujols left the Cardinals and everyone was like, what are you doing? And it turned out to be the best non-move the St. Louis Cardinals ever made in the history of that franchise because Albert Pujols is, you know, while been okay, he certainly hasn't been worth the $300 million contract that he signed with the Los Angeles Angels. So I, I, that's kind of my stance with Chris Bryant. Like, I love everything he's done for this team. I just don't know if long-term it makes sense for him to be a part of this team. Um, knowing what we know with this team moving forward, if they're not a World Series championship team, is it worth it to sign him to a deal like that? Right. And look, I'm a huge Chris Bryant fan. I have his jersey in my closet. When he got called up to the major leagues, I called it Christmas, K-R-I-S Christmas. I was I was that jacked, right? But here's the deal. He's not worth $200 million right now. And, that's, and when you mentioned Scott Boris, I think that's the wrench in all of this personally, where I think if Chris Bryant had any other agent, I mean, Scott Boris's MO is to get top dollar for his client, no matter where the destination might be. And I, I fear that that might be a detriment to Chris Bryant's career. And look, I want the guy to bounce back. I, I really do. And I'm just kind of curious. I, yeah, I'm as confused about what his market truly is, what he thinks his market is, 
what his market actually is and maybe what the Cubs would actually be even willing to do, right? Where let's just say he has a, a decent year, maybe not a top end year. I always was curious, like, would he ever take a one or two year deal to kind of remake his market a little bit? He's still a very young guy. He can still get that five or six year deal for, you know, Buku bucks if you wanted to. And I'm always wondering if he can maybe do it in Chicago in regards to Rizzo, right? Like the five year for 70 million, it's a joke, right? I mean, the guy, as you said, is Mr. Cubby's worth a hundred million dollars. Just for reference, Carlos Santana on the Royals is making 17.5 this year. Yeah. So that's your yeah. starting point Cubs. And the other one, the fun fact was, I don't know if you remember this, but remember when Paul Canerco after the, the White Sox won the world series, he was going to go to the angels. He was out the door, right? And then he came back. The White Sox gave him 60 million in 2006. So five years for 70 in 2020, Chicago Cubs, you got to do a little bit better for Mr. 44. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. And I, I agree with you. And, you know, it's funny because the rumor uh, is down here, especially where I live, where Anthony Rizzo is from, you know, Parkland, Florida, which is a good like 20 minutes for me. Is that he looked great in a Mar he looked great in a Marlins uniform. So if hypothetically he signed with the Marlins, a part of me would be, oh, this is awesome. Anthony Rizzo with the Marlins. And then of course a part of me would be devastated because I'm watching Anthony Rizzo with the Marlins. Um, you know, I, I think the other factor to Joey that I think is interesting is that all these guys are in their contract years and all these guys have something to play for, whether it's Rizzo, whether it's Brian, and whether it's Baez. And if they are able to really prove what their market market value is for their services, then we should see a hell of a year from all three of them because you always want the best out of guys, especially when they're playing for a contract. They recognize that they have no room for error to sit back and kind of just relax. Like they got to be at the top of their game. So maybe this is also a little bit of a benefit to the Cubs to ultimately see, you know, who's going to be worth signing once the season's over. So it's not a bad thing, but um, yeah, I agree with you. I think the starting point with, with Rizzo is at least, at least 18 million, at least. Yes, at least. And you would hope maybe, and then, and then of course on the other side, I would say maybe at his age, I don't know if he's worth that much more than 20 to 22 million. And I don't want to make it seem like I'm being cruel and crass. We're talking about 22 million a year here, but I think that's probably where his market probably like aligns with a little bit. Ryan Lieber, we're going to get you out of here on one more question. I'm so happy to have you on the pod, man. It's so great to meet you. We're from the Midwest together. Uh, we're from the almost sort of the same area, which is super awesome. Let's just talk about, you know, the Cubs team, we got a hundred and what 58 more of these bad boys to go and hopefully they can make the postseason. You know, a lot of people talk about, you know, this is the last hurrah. This is the last, you know, uh, the, the last rodeo for this core, the cubby core that we've talked about for a long time, which has eroded over the last couple of years, just in general, you know, where do you kind of see the organization going? I understand that the financials of this are kind of up in the air a little bit, but I just want to contend with people that, and especially with the Ricketts organization is we have to understand that like, you have to take kind of a long-term look at this Cubs team moving forward. And I think that's the best way to grow a fan base and keep the generations of Cubs fans coming over and over again. Where do you see this Cubs team kind of going in the next five years? You know, are they going to be big spenders at some point? Do you, do you feel like they're trending closer to the rebuild than they are maybe doing with, you know, a retool or a, uh, uh, you know, a rejuvenation. Well, it's funny because I think Jed Hoyer has 
made it clear that he doesn't want to rebuild. Like he wants this team to retool and contend for, you know, the postseason and potentially, you know, the world series. It's so hard to know right now, Joey, right? Because we don't know, like ultimately if this team as it's currently um, constructed, if this is a team that's ultimately good enough to win a world series, I think that's what, I think that this season is ultimately going to allow us to figure out if it's time to kind of break up the crew and say, Hey, we had a great run, probably the greatest run ever in the history of this franchise. It was, it was good. It felt good. Right. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Right. Or is it time to maybe, you know, kind of, look to the future and and focus on the farm system even more so build it back up focus on draft picks and and try to build um again to where maybe in like four to five years you know this team is contending um for the postseason again i i certainly hope it's the former and and not the latter because i want to see this team continue to win championships or at least contend and as you said like I love Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and Wilson Contreras. And, you know, I want to see that core continue to be a strong part of this organization, you know, like guys like me and, and you, we grew up with Ryan Sandberg and Andre Dawson and Mark Grace. And these were guys that were every day, you know, like we could count on them to be in the lineup at least for like five to 10 to 15 years, you know, with their career I want to see that with this team um, and I want to be able to have that. I just don't know if the, you know, this team ultimately will do that, especially if this team is not in contention or ultimately makes the postseason. because if this team finishes in fourth place, or let's just hypothetically say in fifth place and misses the playoffs, you can finish in fourth and fifth place without all those guys we just mentioned too. Yeah, we'll have Andrew Chafin starting games because they'll be trading folks. Uh, they'll be trading folks, Ryan, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's a great point. I, I guess the only thing I would say, and, and look, you know, it's a business and all that stuff. But like to Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo, I would just say that you know, staying in Chicago is a good thing for your long-term financial security. Not just the contract that you're signing now, but we're you know we we already are going to love you for the rest of your days here. But if you can continue to produce on the north side. You just build that legacy of all those players that you just mentioned that we grew up loving so much. And those guys, if they're not already there, they can really cement that by, you know, maybe sticking around those next couple of seasons. That is such a great point, Joey. And that just goes to show you Chicago is such a special city like that, right? Because you can be kind of a niche guy. And yet if you played for your team, either the White Sox or the Cubs or the Bulls or the Bears, People are going to love you forever, right? Like the 85 Bears, whoever you may have been, like if you're Steve Fuller from the 85 Bears, like people love you and people will find a way to Get this guy a table. You. Get out of the way. Get yeah. Steve Fuller a table. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll name a, a, a better example than that is like Kerry Wood. I mean, Kerry Wood, who obviously had his moments and amazing moments, but I think we can both agree, like Kerry Wood never really turned out to be the pitcher that I think everybody expected him to be. But while he did have shining moments, Kerry Wood has made a name for himself in Chicago where he has created a career post-baseball and he lives in Chicago and now he has his charities and he really has made a life for himself in the city. So to your point, 
if you play for the Cubs or any of those Chicago teams, the city of Chicago will embrace you and allow you to be successful because of your connection to those pro sports franchises. And I don't, at least a pro, a, a pro city, I don't think there's any other city in the world like that, that is able, that embraces their athletes like the city of Chicago does. There's smaller towns, of course, across the country, like college towns, but when pro teams like that, Chicago is, is so head and shoulders above a New York or an LA or a Dallas or any of those other teams, in my opinion. Yeah. Kerry Wood came to us as, you know, the next Nolan Ryan, the hurler from Texas. Right. And now, as you mentioned so perfectly, he's a Chicagoan. And there's a reason why we have Harry Carey's restaurant or why we had Madden's post or Dicka's restaurant, Michael Jordan's restaurant. I mean, if you make a name for yourself here in Chicago, we will love you to the end of our days for eternity upon eternity. I mean, Anthony Rizzo is pretty much already there. Javi Baez and Chris Bryant are really close, but just remember to those guys, you know, there's, there's still a lot of financial incentive staying in this city. I would say that to Chris Bryant and Scott Boris, instead of getting top dollar, as you mentioned, to go play in Seattle, no offense to the Seattle Mariners, but good luck to that. Chris Bryant, I would say to you, final one. I got to get this one out to you. I got my guy right here growing up. Who was it for you? Who was your, who was your guy growing up? Who was the Cubs player that you adored? It was Ryan Sandberg. Um, yeah. And a quick story. I, I told it on the air, but, or on our podcast, and I'll, I'll just tell you a really quick story, but growing up in uh, Glenview, Illinois, where I'm from, and, and you know, the area growing up in Wilmette, Illinois, um, I had in my development, uh, true story, Ryan Sandberg, Rick Sutcliffe, and Jody Davis all lived in the same development as me. So <laughs> no way. Um, yeah. So I got to meet all three of them. Um, and and when I and my brother, who's the same age as you, became good friends with Justin Sandberg, who's Ryan's son. And so we're talking, they were like four years old. And my brother got invited to Ryan Sandberg's house for a going away party because in the off season, the Sandbergs lived in Arizona. And so I dropped my brother off at his house. I like walked him to the door and who opens the door is Ryan Sandberg. And I, I lost it. I, I mean, I was this young kid and he was my hero. And um, I, I was so like taken aback and I, I couldn't even form the words to like say anything, but um, my goal, hopefully, my goal, hopefully, Joey, is to one day get Ryan Sandberg on my podcast. And I've never had the chance to meet him, or rather, I should say, interview him um, as an adult. But uh, yeah, Ryan Sandberg to this day is, is my baseball hero. It's going to happen, my friend. It's going to happen. Yeah, when Jordan and Sandberg unretired in the 90s, as a kid, you're just like, wait, they can do that? They can just come back after they leave the game. It's amazing. It's absolutely fantastic. Ryan Lieber from the Friendly Confines podcast. Thank you so much for being on the pod, man. Great to meet you. Such a great conversation. I hope to have you back sometime. Please do me a favor and let the listeners of this pod know how they can check out Friendly Confines or any other plug that you'd like to do to help promote the show. Thanks, Joey. Yeah. First of all, I had a blast joining you. This was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed meeting you. And please, anytime you would like me to come on with you, I'm more than happy to join you. Yes, sir. Um, And then as far as our podcast goes, it is the Friendly Confines podcast. You can find it where podcasts uh, on any platform, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts at. And then also you can find me on Twitter. I am at Ryan D. Lieber. My co-host Chad is at the Chad Gordon. And then we have a new website. It is called theconfines.com. You can go to the website. You can put in your email address 
and we will then uh, make you a subscriber and the podcast, anytime we have a new episode, the podcast will be delivered to your inbox, in your email, and you can listen to every new episode that we have that's coming out so you don't have to go searching for it on your iPhone or you know whichever uh, way you, you download or consume your podcast. So theconfines.com is where you can find our website. And then we also have our Facebook page, the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. Uh, join us. We love posting on there. You can also find our podcast on there as well. So um, we'd love to have anybody that's interested be a part of the conversation and uh, subscribe to uh, listen to our upcoming episodes. Well, you got a fan and supporter in me, my friend, and congratulations on all the hard work and the website. That sounds fantastic. And everyone listening right now, definitely you got to check out the Friendly Confines because it's Cubs fans with Cubs fans. I mean, these guys are professionals. They're funny and they're giving you all the inside knowledge and they get great guests too as well. Ryan Lieber from the Friendly Confines podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's episode of Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos is brought to you by betonline.ag. Make sure you head to that website on your mobile device this weekend. It's free to sign up and you get a 50% off your first welcome deposit. So you can make sure you got to check that out. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. We got plenty more stuff coming the rest of this week. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.